Before I get into this episode, I have to tell you about Making Marketing. It's a weekly conversation with the people who are leading and innovating the world of marketing, be it data, brand safety, transparency, relationship with platforms, or emerging markets like cannabis. These leaders are at the front lines. Some of our recent guests include David Dancer of MedMen, Droga5's Neil Heyman, and Vimbak Black Gupta of Equinox. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and today I'm bringing you a session from the Digiday Media Buying Summit. New technology is turning media buying on its head. From AI to cognitive tech to voice to blockchain, adopting the right technology has never been more important for informing rapid decision-making and forecasting ad spend decisions. Hear from Sarah Stringer, SVP Head of Innovation for Carrot USA, about how they're using new technology to add value to the marketing mix and what all of this means for the future of media buying. So thank you for having me. Um, I feel a bit scared to be at a conference where I feel like everyone's trying to basically come in for my lunch. Everyone's like, yeah, don't worry, we can do performance media better than any media agency. I'm like, holy shit, this is a kind of scary crowd. So bear with me, bear with me. Um, maybe to try and make everyone feel a little bit better about it, I actually hate being called a media buyer. So if you guys all want to be called a media buyer, I'm fine with that because I actually don't like being called a media buyer. Um, reason being is that media agencies do so much more than just media buying. We look at data, we look at audiences, we are essentially that really important person that looks into a lot of our clients' businesses and going, look, I know you think that people think of you like this, but sometimes the reality is they don't. And we're going to help you work out how you're actually going to get to your business goals by being a bit more realistic about where you sit in the market. So I get it. Media buying is really our bread and butter. That is table stakes for us. Um, and look, come along for the ride if you, if you want to. We're, uh, we're, we're glad for the competition. Um, now, how many, <laughs> this is basically uh, what I like to call buzzword bingo. So how many, how many of these words have you heard already over the last like day and a half? Probably pretty much all of them, right? And everyone's like, I've, so actually last year I was at um, South by Southwest, obviously here in, in lovely Austin, and I was sat on a panel and someone said to me, so we've been hearing a lot about blockchain and AI and AR and VR, and you know, my question to you is, what's next? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what's next already? I was like, we haven't even sorted out what we're gonna do with this yet. And I was like, we've got clients that still, after 10 years after the smartphone has been invented, still working out what their mobile strategy is. So the fact that we're like, oh, you know, what are we gonna, you know, what's next after artificial intelligence? I think everyone needs to chill out a bit when they're talking about innovation and start to think about what are the ways that you can actually ground new technology and new opportunities into what you're doing day to day to actually make a difference and learn something today which can then get you to some of these very lofty spaces to come tomorrow. So we all know that advertising is absolutely changing. Um, we know that this based on consumer behavior, um, and look, the expectations of what we need to deliver now as an industry is absolutely changed. And it needs to, because people hate advertising. <laughs> so this is a kind of scary look at, uh, obviously, the uh, increase in ad blocking that we're currently seeing. So roughly about 30% of the US population currently has an ad blocker of some description um, on their devices. And it's because it's a, been a race to the bottom. 
like, yes, I agree that um, in one of the previous talks, we were talking about the, you know, banner advertising is useful. It's also bloody annoying a lot of the time as well. And to be fair, as an industry, we actually need to get better at going, how do we do better at making advertising more enjoyable and offer value to people? And technology can absolutely help us get there. But we also need to be better about not just going in for the cheapest thing that we can get in terms of a logo slap and a brand and expecting that to do the job. So technology is absolutely continues to change um, the way that consumers and us as human beings basically interact with the world around us. So what we're going to do is actually talk about why context and technology is so important when we're talking about connecting to people and what that's actually going to mean in terms of what, how you look at new technology and how you actually apply that to the audiences that you're looking to connect with. So to talk about generations, who better to help us identify that than obviously all of our friends at Modern Family? that all actually very helpfully can help us illustrate all the different generations that we're currently working with. So, you know, we have baby boomers all the way through to uh, what we're calling Gen Alpha now. And what you can see there is essentially a lot of the formative events that actually really help the, the viewpoints and opinions of a lot of these generations, because these are things that they remember in history. And these are actually also formed by a lot of the technologies that are available at that time. So for instance, what we're seeing is that like, you know, Jay may really love TV, but it absolutely changed his view on something like the Vietnam War because it was televised. All of a sudden, war was like on your doorstep. You could actually see what was happening. And it changed people's view of obviously, you know, how war, how war was then, um, taken and, and basically how consumers basically started to see that, you know, this was a reality and it was a horrific reality there as well. We're seeing through to then Gen Alpha, which is obviously our newest and youngest generation that will absolutely be um, dominant, uh, like multi, uh, multicultural, um, is that, you know, they're seeing that this is the first generation that's born entirely in the 21st century. They're likely to see commercial space flight in their lifetime which is so badass, and I'm very excited about it. But if you think about the differences of these different formative events, it also then helps us to actually look at the different types of technology that was actually available, and essentially where when you're connecting with audiences, and I think sometimes when we're working with clients, you can see the media that they're more comfortable with because that was actually the thing that they, um, they kind of grew up with, and it's something that they feel like is uh, a comfort blanket really in terms of uh, media. So what you're starting to see is obviously the influx of new technologies come down the line as we start to get to our younger generations. So obviously with baby boomers like TV, FM radio, um, all the way through to I am myself, I'm the millennial, so I'm one of the most hated generations of all time apparently, very smug. Um, you know, with the internet at home, we had dial-up modem, I sat on chat rooms and wrote ASL to people, total random strangers, very scary. Um, you know, Online shopping took off. We heard about eBay for the first time when we started buying lots of crap online. Brilliant. Um, and now we have like our Gen Z generation, for instance. And if you look at just the amount of stuff that has really been borne out, and you can see that if any of you guys have got kids or if you've got nephews or nieces um, in your life, they're learning things via YouTube. Like, I was an Encarta kid. <laughs> These kids are basically going online. I had someone, in fact, one of my uh, nephews um, show me the, the origin story of one of the dancers that is apparently very popular in Fortnite, uh, Fortnite, and he basically told me there was actually a different influencer that Fortnite had actually stolen that from. He's six years old. I was like, wow, you have a lot of context, and this is quite terrifying. So these 
technologies are essentially forming the different habits for these different audiences. And we as media professionals really need to start thinking about how we can apply this to our buying and all these insights to make sure that we're connecting better so people don't hate the messaging that we're sending out. And we can see this absolutely reflected in the types of media that people are now choosing to spend their time with. Like if you look at everything from like Netflix to say your Apple News um, to Pinterest, all these things are curated based on what you as an individual are interested in. And I know the talk coming up next is all about personalization. This is now table stakes. You need to be better at connecting with people as who they are as an individual. It's not about putting people in this bucket of being like a 24 year old to 35 year old, and I know you're definitely into this. That doesn't work anymore because that is not how people are consuming media. And we need to be better as advertisers at not speaking to them in that way. Oh, this is a build. Oh, yeah. OK, so how many people? I, I only arrived here late last night, unfortunately. So I don't know how many people have seen yet a picture of someone saying that a consumer's um, attention span is now less than a goldfish. I feel like I see it now every single presentation I get to, and I hate it. So I thought I'd be the first person to put it up if no one has yet. But the fact is, is that, OK, I think this is utter bullshit. You know why? It's because how many people here just feel that utter shame when Netflix shames you by going, are you still watching? Uh, yes, I am. Stop judging me. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter that I've just crushed six hours of uh, Queer Eye. I'm very happy with the fact I'm crying the whole afternoon because the point is, is that I'm very engaged in the content. And we keep talking about the fact that, you know, people don't care anymore about advertising. What they don't like is crappy advertising that's irrelevant to them. And people are willing to go in deep with media that they absolutely care about. This is reflected in the absolute, like, going gangbusters um, medium of podcasts. So how many people here listen to a podcast? Yeah, exactly. Of course you do. You're all very in-touch media people. Um, so the fact is, is that a lot of people are listening to podcasts. We're seeing that roughly about, I think it's about 24% of the population is listening to a podcast, podcast monthly. And on average, seven podcasts are listened to per week. Now, that is not a small amount of time to be spending with a medium. That is an incredible amount of time to be spending with a medium. If you think about it, most podcasts are roughly about an hour long. So people are spending a lot of time with media that they genuinely care about. So again, when we're talking about technologies and how we basically start incorporating that into the types of media that we show up in and where we buy media, we need to be thinking about ways that we know that we can stand out because it's meaningful to our particular audience. So I think the key thing to remember here is that human nature is still the driver of everything that the way that people interact with things. And it's no different when we start talking about what type of technologies should you be experimenting with and looking at as part of your media planning. Because you shouldn't just be using a piece of technology for the sake of doing it. You shouldn't go, what should we be doing in VR? If your audience isn't in VR, don't do anything in VR. Like we have, I think sometimes as a, um, an industry, we love that new shiny thing. Damn, we want to win at CAM. But we need to be better at actually understanding how do we actually make sure that we're turning up in places that are actually useful and meaningful to our audiences, because that's really where new technology makes a difference. So this is just a little graph here where you can actually see about smart speaker growth. So obviously, all of us probably are being listened to right now by, the, um, by all types of government, because I constantly have, I have an Alexa in my bedroom. I have a Google Home in my lounge. Like Sometimes the two of them like kind of argue with each other. I'm pretty sure my Alexa tried to donate $5,000 based off something that my 
Google Home said to it, and I was like, you guys are just gonna kill me together. But the fact is, is that the actual growth of these is going like through the roof. What we're seeing um, here is actually the green line that you see here was actually the old projections of how popular this was gonna be as a um, medium. And then what we're seeing is then the revised um, numbers then um, in that sort of like yellowy orange color up there. So the US smart speaker um, like users and growth is amazing. However, voice has been around for ages. And if you think about it, like we've had voice on our smartphones for a hell of a long time. And don't get me wrong, Siri's not great, but she's been available to us for ages. But you know what? Consumers have only started to come onto voice and voice has become such a hot topic for us as a new technology because people are now starting to use it. So here you'll just see that chart basically says that of the multiple devices that people have in their household that um, work around voice, that smartphone is the number one that is available to everyone. But you know why when we're talking about voice, we don't talk about smartphones? It's because doing this looks really weird. Like how many of you want to be outside and go, hey Siri, I'm going to ask you about that weird foot cream I need. No one's going to do that out of the house. And it, people feel the safety of using voice in their own house because you can look like an idiot in your own house, and that's totally fine. So again, when you're talking about new technologies, you should be thinking about how do people actually use this and where is the reality of why my brand should turn up there? Because if you're putting something into Siri, are people going to feel comfortable about asking for it out in the wild? Because if they aren't, then it's probably not the right place for you to be turning up. And again, VR and AR, one of, our, one of our key buzzwords, in fact, two of our key buzzwords, it's projected to be a $150 billion industry uh, by 2020. Now, interestingly enough, even though the entire industry has been talking about VR for so long, what we're really going to see that massive growth come from is actually AR. So, you know, we are starting to see AR turn up in super useful places now for consumers. And so, you know, we're seeing that Google is actually expanding out. So, you know, I want to chase a magical fox around a city to tell me how to get to that coffee shop rather than me awkwardly trying to stand into the map and get out of the subway and be like super awkwardly, don't know where I'm going. But again, if you're talking about like, why is VR not growing? Why has we been talking about VR for much longer? Well, globally, only 3% of internet users have a VR headset. Why? Yes, it's cost prohibitive. It's been pretty expensive. You don't necessarily want to be tethered to something in your house. You probably don't also want to knock over every single ornament you've ever bought in your house by playing something. But again, doing this looks and feels really weird. Like, I don't know if I want to sit there for watching an entire movie with a headset on my head and also not experience then a movie with someone I'm sitting next to on the sofa. Again, in a weird way, when you're talking about the realities of using new technologies that are available to us in media, you need to think about what is the reality of how people actually want to use that technology and then how can your brand show up? Because some of these things that we talk about as buzzwords in the industry isn't something that's actually very important to consumers. So when talking about, um, obviously, new technologies, and I guess the reality check that you're going to need around why we're we putting this into plan, why is this going to deliver against an objective that we have, then the, the, cost of, the cost of new technology can sometimes feel like it's something that can be kind of scary. Like if I'm going up to a client and saying, hey, I need a million dollars for you to sign off on this thing that you've never tried before, and we don't know if it's going to work, I should be fired. And if anyone is going out there saying a pilot program is going to cost you a shed ton of money, I would not trust you at all. Because the reason being is that there are so many ways that you can experiment with new technologies that isn't going to cost you a fortune. And that is the first thing you should be pitching or putting forward in your media plans to make sure that something is actually worth going all in on. 
So if someone says it's going to cost a lot to prove out an idea with a new technology, it's not right. So when you're factoring that into, I guess, the way that you're looking at revenues and how you're actually going to be utilizing an innovation budget in any of the plans that you're putting forward, it should be the cheapest way possible to actually prove out an idea. If it works, scale it. Okay, so I was asked, I was really like, whoa, intimidated when I actually saw like my topic for today's talk. And it was like about rapid decision making and forecasting and ad spend decisions. And I was like, you really got the wrong person in to talk about this because I work in innovation. So I do a lot of fluffy stuff. Now, we obviously have a lot of tools at a media agency that help us do this. And we have a lot of ways that we have been uh, automating a lot of ways that we can say, this is working, this isn't working. We should be optimizing this. We should be increasing bids to whatever. So yes. There is a lot of technology around why we do the, what we do and how we optimize our media spends. But for me, and what we're doing, and when we're talking about new technology and how that should be put into a, a media plan for you, rapid decision making and forecasting ad spend decisions should really be stop having a million meetings and get it done. Get something to market, prove out, write, write me a plan, tell me why it's going to work, and then it's like yes or no. I'm fed up of attending a million meetings for a very small decision to be made. And if you're going to talk about rapid decision making, just get it done. This is why the tech industry sometimes does fall into some, has some issues, is because they make things and they start testing things out in market and they have a million experiments going on at any given time. They find something that has traction and they make it work and then they scale it. And so again, the second part of this is that when you're forecasting ad spend decisions, like everything that we do at CARA, we try and ensure that we have a test and learn budget factored into each of our campaigns because we should be looking at ways that we can create these mini experiments. And when you find an experiment that actually gives you an interesting result, you then look to scale it and you work on how you can even scale that through multiple partners as well. So again, when you're talking about ad spend decisions, don't spend a fortune when trying out a new piece of technology. You should be looking at the cheapest way for you to prove out that point and then work out what is the right amount of money that you should be putting forward to it to scale it. Okay. So these are my hot tips for you when you're talking about new technology um, and I guess how you can incorporate that into your media plans. So new, new technology succeeds when it enhances people's lives. So again, get really real when you guys are talking about like, oh, we're going to build out a skill for Alexa. Why? Do people really need it? How are people going to discover it? That is the biggest issue that I face right now. We have so many people building out skills on um, smart home devices. And it's like, it's like the new mobile app that everyone was such a rush to like, build a mobile app for this brand. It's really important that we do it. Why is someone going to have you on their phone? Why are they going to have that like, sacred real estate on your phone to come back to you day in, day out? The same thing and the same questions should be asked now around how you're incorporating things like new technologies into things like voice. Like Tide's got a great one. Oh, now I've got a grass stain. Oh, God, I just like dropped a whole bottle of wine on my carpet. Okay, useful, or my shirt, or whatever it might be. Like That's helpful to people, but you're not going to use it every day. You're going to use it when you're in a panic. So start thinking about ways that brands should be showing up, because quite honestly, you spend money in these new technologies. It doesn't work. Client's going to be like, oh, why do we do that? That failed. And that means that you don't get more fun money to play with. Think like a human. Um, what, do you, uh, what do you know to be true about why people are doing things? Um, and why are people using some things and why are some people not using some things? So again, be super real. Um, experiment by creating a hypothesis and test it in market. 
like, again, you don't need to be spending a lot of money. We actually tested a, a VR concept by having a mobile game that actually one of our um, car clients had tried. And we basically just put it into a Google Cardboard and saw that if you basically played a point of view game using this car, would it be interesting or not? That's how we actually then for free created a concept, then start to scale out to actually build out a VR experience um, for one of our clients. Don't spend a fortune to prove something. Um, you can definitely scale it after tested. So these are like my hot, very unsexy things for a head of innovation to be talking about, but super sensible because you want to continue to experiment and try new fun things for your client, but you've got to do it in a way that doesn't make them scared. Okay, so final, just to leave you on, I was told that I had to give like some live examples of things that we're doing around some of these crazy technologies, but not to say we have enemies in the room, but we do have other media agencies in the room. So I was like, well, I can't give away all our trade secrets. But um, what I will say is like, for instance, blockchain, how are we now currently looking to use that in, in our industry? You would be surprised at how many very large media providers and very digital first media providers are still using paper IOs to sign things off. So yes, blockchain is gonna basically help us stop the incredible destruction of the rainforest, but also stop asking people to do very mundane, boring tasks by actually allowing us to, um, to be able to verify exactly the media that we bought versus the amount of money that we should be paid and actually making sure that invoicing goes out. Sounds super unsexy, but it's a really important um, stress point in, in businesses that need to be solved for. Artificial intelligence, we're lucky enough to work with some really awesome um, tech companies um, as clients. So we're doing this both for brand proof for them, um, but also ways that we can start looking at um, audience building and optimization of media for us as well. Right, I'm on one second, so I have to leave you. But um, look, thank you very much. For anyone that has any questions, I'll be around for the rest of the afternoon. And if not, please feel free to tweet me at Stringling on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. Thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sango. Did you like the show? Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also write to me or tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sango and my email is Aditi at Digiday. I'll be back soon with another episode.